And welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of Ian Hates Conversations Music Edition. Thank you all for joining me to start 2018 off right. My special guest tonight is the owner and founder of Manic Cat Records. His name is Peter James. Some of you may have heard me talk about Manic Cat on the weekly Ian Hates Music Show. They're one of my favorite labels out there. And I had a great conversation with one of their band's rival town on a previous episode. I was definitely looking forward to this talk with Peter because I really do enjoy hearing all the behind-the-scenes stories of the music business, and Peter definitely delivered. So, before we start, I want to first apologize to Peter and Manica for how long it took to get this episode out. If any of you listen to Ian Hates Music, you know I got really sick for a while, and today is the first day my voice has been closer to normal. So, I am happy about that. Second, it wasn't my best intro either, but we pushed past it. So thank you to them for their understanding. Before we start the talk, though, let's take a listen to one of Manic Cat's artists. This is the band Hard to Hit, and this track is off their new EP, Better Than I've Been. Here's Lunchbox Special.
All right, everyone, welcome back. I am here with Peter James. Peter, you're the owner and founder of Manic Cat Records. I wanted everyone to know how you're doing tonight. I'm doing great. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm excited. Absolutely, man. So how has your day been so far? Uh, stressful. <laughs> That's you <laughs> most days. Um, you know, it, it, running your own business, especially in, uh, a label, it, you're involved in so many different facets. So my, my day doesn't start at like 9 a.m. and end at 5 p.m. <laughs> like most people. You know, my days are usually, you know, 16 to 18 hours long sometimes, you know. Right. And even this is part of the job. Yeah, but this is the fun part of the job, though. You know, it's, this is <laughs> definitely the highlight, you know, of a Wow. So, yeah. Wait, sorry. Know. Now I feel really sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, this is not work. Good. Trust okay. <laughs> Did you get into wanting to start a label and actually starting a label because you believe there would be fun behind it? Definitely. I mean, you know, I started playing in bands. So, right. you know, my whole thing was I've been in bands since I was like 14 years old. So I just kind of saw where the industry was going. And I've always wanted to have a behind the scenes vibe, too. So as much as I love being in bands, I always loved like what the labels did and how they helped and, and what the actual process was behind it and, and the business sense of it. So uh, it, that always intrigued me. I was always like the business sense person in my bands and all that. So that's kind of like how I got into it, basically. So, Well, then, how did you take that next step from being in bands? How did you decide? Did you shadow someone? Or was it something that you actually had to seek out? Yeah, so it was kind of funny the way the whole thing turned about. Um, it was about tail end of 2009, maybe even like... You know, early 2009, but uh, my old band, we were, you know, pitching and uh, sc scouting different labels to pick up our record and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I was very close with the senior VP of A&R for one of the bigger labels at the time. And I had pitched him and we were talking back and forth and he offered us a 360 deal. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. Like, I, I just I, I can't sign this. We can't do this hmm. because if we do you're basically not going to make any money. And if this record tanks, we're basically screwed. Right. So, you know, for our best interest, we decided to pool all our resources in between all the band members and everything. And we released it ourselves. Okay. So when we started the label, it was really a vanity label. Right. 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 You know, so it was just my band underneath it. And we gone and we had gone on warp tour in 2009, did really well with it and promoted the label to, mm -hmm. And we got back. We're like, look, you know, let's let's make a thing of this and get some bands underneath and and really make it viable. Right. Um, and that's kind of how it, the whole thing started. Um, it unfortunately, it came to a crashing halt uh, shortly after because it was basically me doing everything. Right. So, right. you know, at the time, I, I was working a full time job. I had a full time band. Plus, I had a record label, and I was running every facet of it, everything from social media to A&R to, you know, PR to, sure. you know, you name it, I was doing it. So there's just not enough hours in the day, and I burned out, and I didn't have anybody helping me. So, right. you know, it, it just wasn't going to wasn't gonna last. No, exactly, so. and that totally makes sense. But let's go back for a second. You mentioned a 360 deal. For anyone that's not mm -hmm. in the industry, can you explain that? Sure. So what a 360 deal is, is basically a label has, gives you money for all different facets 
not just recording. So mm-hmm. old school days, you know, you made your money on the road, right? Right. A, a label would pay for your recording and recoup just the recording. So any money that was made was made off of recording sales. So if you were selling merch on the road, you kept 100% of that. If you were making guarantees on the road, any kind of, you know, if the bigger bands were making huge amounts of money right. on the road touring, that would all be kept for the band. So that's why bands were always on the road, especially way back when, because that's how you made your living. Right. It wasn't on record sales because most labels had like, you know, crazy, crazy splits. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they really made their money off of guarantees and, and touring. So, you know, when the 360 deals came around, which was basically as a result of, you know, the internet and not making as much money on physical distribution and, you know, on, on digital sales and all that sort of stuff, you know, labels started kind of taking every facet. So they had a piece of your touring, they had a piece of your merchandise, they had a piece of all that stuff. Right. So the reason why it was called 360 was, yeah, they supplied funding for all facets, but they took pieces of all facets as well. Uh, so, okay. you know what I mean? Yes. So it was trying to offset costs of, of the decline of record sales. That's really where that whole thing came from. That is really interesting. So you were able to, at that point, know that that wasn't going to be lucrative for you. And Definitely then, not. Yeah, circumvent that and start the label. So you were able to pull all that money together. How did that work between the band? Also, with you being in charge now, what happened to everyone else? So back then, I mean, the whole band was kind of helping out in different ways and everything like that. I mean, it was very, very DIY. Sure. I mean, we're still pretty DIY now, but it was even more so back then. And, um, you know, I was in charge, but we kind of ran it, all four of us, as kind of like a, a, a team. Oh, sure. Um, but, you know, I didn't have as much help as I had hoped and anticipated. So hence why, you know, a lot of the guys were still in school. A lot of the guys were kind of on the younger side. They didn't really have the business sense, so I was kind of left holding the bag. Oh, okay. So it, it was not really an easy thing to handle, unfortunately. Right, right. Well, then so. you took the hiatus, we'll say, quote-unquote, hiatus. You took exactly. That, you took that hiatus where you were still working your ass off doing everything else and right. then decided to kickstart it again. What was that major decision? What really pushed you in that direction? So a buddy of mine that was one of the bands that was signed to the label back in 2009 was like, hey, listen, man, like I want to start a label up maybe and, you know, maybe think about doing that. You'd be interested in maybe doing that with me or helping me out, give me some tips. And I was like, you know what? We have a label. It's, you know, incorporated, you know, the, the logos trademarked, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, on the business end, everything's already structured to, to go. So, you know, we can pick it back up again. But the one thing I learned, and there was like a quite a bit of a gap between, you know, then and now was, you know, putting teams in place and getting people involved Mm -hmm. that, you know, can handle the different facets of the business where it makes the most sense. Right. So, you know, now instead of me just being one person, we have a team of about 30 people. Um, you know, there's a PR team, there's a social media team, there's videography, um, you know, everything and anything you can, you, you name it, we got it, A&R. Right. So like, there's so many different facets to the team where it's not just me. Um, you know, it's, I, I, I laugh all the time because I tend to do most of the interviews. So oh, sure. I try to get other people involved because right. a lot of people think it's just like, I, I just say this, 
That's why we put everybody on our website because it's like, oh, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Right, kind of right. deal. <laughs> I mean, there's more than just me. <laughs> so. Well, you do have a very in-depth website. Like I went and I looked at the staff and you've got the little like bibliography kind of thing or biography. I guess it's probably yeah. the right word. Maybe I should learn words. So you got the biography there for pretty much everyone on your team. Yep, exactly. Did you reach out to anyone who knows business really well to kind of figure that out? And did you pull resources to find the right people for those jobs? So I have a business degree. That's okay. what I went to school for. I have a business and marketing degree. Um, so I kind of took what I learned from the corporate world and incorporated it into to what I'm doing now. But I took a lot of stuff that I absolutely hate from the corporate world and did the polar opposite. Oh, nice. Okay. Look, I hate the corporate world. I'm in it. I'm a chemical engineer. I totally understand. So yep. can you tell me what you got rid of that you disliked? So I hate the corporate level nonsense, corporate level bullshit, mm -hmm. quite frankly, sure. where, you know, there's tier structures and there's, you know, hierarchies and all that other nonsense. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I have a director of social media, I have a director of PR. That's more just to kind of rally the troops and keep the teams organized. Right. But, you know, I'm not a type of person. I'm more about roll up your sleeves. You know, I'm more of a, a team player as opposed to, you know, I run the company. Sure. You know, a perfect example is like when we have our meetings, uh, I ask everybody's opinion on everything. You know, before I make any kind of decision or do anything, because at the end of the day, my decisions impact the whole team. Very true. So, you know, I'm not a type of person to be like, you know, it's a hierarchy down and my say goes and, and this is what we're going to do, you know, hell or high water. I like taking opinions and, and, and getting some input um, before making any kind of decision. So um, if you heard a band that you really, really enjoy and you were like, we need to get that band, would that be the final decision? Or would nope. you? Okay. Nope, definitely not. What is your structure like then for doing something like that? So typically we have we have an A and R team, right? So yeah. they do most of the scouting, but that doesn't mean like our other team members or myself we can't come across a band. Like you said, if I have a band that I really like, we'll bring it up in a meeting mm -hmm. and go over all different facets of the particular band. We'll we'll dissect it and and really talk about it and start drilling in a little deeper. Um, it's not just on my say. There was a band just recently that I really liked. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was like, look, I really like them. They're 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 phenomenal. There's you know this that and the other thing is not great, but we can offset it. You know, I had my own reasons. We didn't even reach out to them. They never made it past the meeting. Oh wow, okay. You know, because just because I bring it to the table doesn't necessarily mean that you know my say is law. It, it just doesn't work like that. That's an so. interesting way. That's probably the best way to do it. Well. I, number one, I, I'm first to say, I don't know everything. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you right off the bat. Sure. I do not know everything. So I like getting other people's opinions before making, you know, an executive decision. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, my decisions, everyone has to live with, you know, whether it's social media or A&R or marketing or PR, everybody's going to be working with that band in some capacity. Right. So if we sign a band that everybody absolutely hates just because I said so, they're going to really hate doing it yes. and really hate working with it. And, and, them, and it's going to make their lives miserable. So I'd rather keep a happy team because they're the ones that are really pushing this. And, you know, we're moving forward. We keep growing leaps and bounds. Right. And I, I could not do it, honestly, without the, the tremendous team that we have behind me. You know, I, I can't. That's you great know, to hear. Yeah. Huge amount of credit. So they bust their tails. They really <laughs> do. It sounds like it. And I mean, at least from what I've seen, 
it seems like you've had a great 2017. We have. Um, it's the the biggest one we've had so far. I mean, granted, we've only been back for a couple of years, but you know, we've grown you know at least over 120 percent year over year Very as nice. far as like what we've released and what we've done and how much we've grown as far as um, you know media presence and all that sort right. of stuff. So you know, I feel like a lot of our bands are starting to get noticed by a bigger media outlets, for and sure. you know, I mean, AP is starting to take notice to quite a few of our bands. Um, which, you know, as well as I do in our industry, that's the Bible, basically. You I know. know. The Bible. So for them to be taking in notice and, and having good things to say about our bands is huge. Yeah, no, we've talked about that on the weekly music show a lot. Like they have their fingers on everything. And sure. what we've brought up many times is I like when they are taking notice of the quote unquote smaller bands, the bands sure. that are on, you know, the quote unquote indie labels. That is the way to do it because we hear enough about the bigger bands. They're not the ones that need that push. So it is nice to see, hey, check out this band because what are we doing other than looking for new music all the time? Right. It's true. It's absolutely true because like a lot of these bigger, bigger bands, like you said, they don't need the push. They, they've got the support that they need. They have the dollars behind them and everything. So they really don't need that exposure. Right. I mean, is it good for them? Yeah. I'll oh, of course. Yeah. Sell a couple which sure, you know, every everybody wants exposure, but at the end of the day, you know, our bands and, and our label, I mean, we're the most uh will reap the most benefit from it for sure. No, that's absolutely true. So when you're going out and you're signing these bands, mm-hmm. do you have a cap per year? Do you have a I guess maybe the way to say it is, do you have a goal? Like we want to sign three bands this year that we all agree with that we think have potential for growth, or is it more if something comes along your way, you check the budget, you check what you can do, you know, manpower wise. And you're like, right. OK, that's I guess that's the question. Is it more? Is there a schedule? Is it a goal oriented system or is it let's just do the best we can? It, it's a little bit of goal and the best we can. Okay. So, you know, obviously we want to make sure we're not overextending ourselves. Right. Um, but the other and the other aspect is we always want to be growing. So, you know, our thing is we have to make sure we have the manpower that can obviously support it. But our goal is to constantly be growing every year over year. You know, we don't want to be stagnant and we don't want to, you know, just sign one or two bands. We want to make sure we're growing uh, at a decent rate. How do you judge that growth then? Is it obviously you're here to make money for sure. Sure. But I'm assuming that's not the only goal. So when you look back at 2017, for instance, what are you going to say to the team well done, you did this, this, and this. We hit this, this, and this. You must be reading my mind because <laughs> we have no, it's funny because we're gonna be doing we have a holiday showcase this upcoming weekend, nice. and then we have a holiday company holiday party the day after. So these are things I've already been thinking about. So kind of <laughs> funny that you're just reading my mind. So yeah, I mean, realistically, I can be blunt. We're an indie label, so you know, we're still money is not like the biggest thing for us at the moment because we're still growing and we're still trying to build ourselves and establish ourselves so you know quite a bit is going out still yeah but at the end of the day you know it's not all about revenue stream it's all about exposure and growth in other capacities so right. for us when i look back from 2017 to this year you know upcoming year the biggest thing i can say is our bands are starting to really get noticed right. and that's coming from quite a few 
you know, achievements uh, from our PR team to our social media team to, you know, just the quality of bands that we're signing. So right. A&R is involved in that. So, you know, realistically, it's not all measured in, in dollars and cents. A lot of it is exposure based and these bands will break. I mean, yeah. you know, Rival Town right now is doing phenomenal. Right. I love those guys. Yep. Um, we just released the Hard to Hit record December 1st. Really good And stuff. those guys even picked up IAP. You know, Kerrang is picking them up. And it's just, it's terrific to see like everybody just kind of jumping on board and relatively quickly. Right. Um, you know, it's, I, I don't feel like I'm trying to cram this music down these people's throats. It's like they're welcoming it. You know what I mean? So that's a really positive and really good feeling. No, it's gotta be. Yeah. I talked to you off air about this a little bit, but obviously I love rival town. They are friends of the show. We had a great talk when they were on here. I loved it. (laughs) Laughed out loud multiple times. So that was great. Um, I'm a huge fan of small pond, big fish, uh, bad case. Of course, been a fan of them for a really long time since the name change and everything since before that, actually. The Anchor, Hard to Hit, you mentioned. So in general, though, I remember this label being an indie punk label, right? That's kind of how things were put out there. But you are bringing in other genres of music. So you're not limiting yourself by just saying, okay, we're only going to have this. But would you bring in a metal band? Would you bring in a metal core band? Sure. At the end of the day, it's got to be if it's something that we love and something we can get behind as a team. We'll, we'll work with them for right. sure. It's not, I don't want to limit, you know, yes, we're a pop punk label. You know, we call ourselves a, a punk label, but at the end of the day, you know, if the music is good, I'll work with it. You know, um, you know, it, it could be anything, you know, and as long as we can actually help them. Yeah. So good point. when we first came back around again, there was a band that was, that we had signed, uh, probably, um, what was it? Like the beginning of 2016 when the label first started back up again. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. And they were a little bit more on the shoegazery side. Oh, sure. They were a little bit more. Yeah. So for us, and again, we were still kind of just trying to establish ourselves and figure out which direction we were going to go in and how diverse we were going to be or, you know. So when we had signed them, you know, I don't think we thought it out completely where how much we can actually help this band. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a lot of connections, you know, with, with Warp Tour and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and you know, I can market. I've been in the pop punk world. Like, I, this is what I know. This is what I love. Right. So I know how to market to this particular demographic and this particular genre. You know, for a band like that, I really didn't know what to do. It was kind of starting from, from square one again. Sure. And, and it's not, at the end of the day, it's not fair to the band. So that's kind of why we decided just like, look, you know, <laughs> this isn't going to work out. You guys, you know, need to find a label that's a little bit more equipped to handle you guys. Right. Right. So, you know, there was no feelings or anything like that, but I think it was for their best interest, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. And by the way, to switch gears a little bit, you've sure. mentioned Warp Tour a few times, actually. And I did want to ask you before we move on to lots of other stuff. Sure. How are your feelings right now about Warp Tour ending in a you know in a year basically? And what are you looking forward to most about Warp Tour in this final you know run that they're doing? So you know I'm not surprised mm-hmm. that this. It's a little sad to hear, like especially when Kevin announced it. It's 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 pretty sad to hear. Obviously, most people were were pretty shocked about it. But you know I my old band did the tour from '05 to '09. Very nice. So. We're, we're on that tour and, um, you know, 
back then, I think it was more of a Tay Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've noticed in years um, people saying that the ticket sales were just not where it was. And I know that's in that interview that Kevin gave, that was something, one of the things that he had cited. Right. You know, production costs keep going up, you know, ticket sales are going down. So, I mean, I, I understand it. And it's, I've been on the tour. Right. So I know what it goes, what goes into putting that on and, you know, the grunt work every morning at like five o'clock in the morning, you know, setting up stages, setting up catering, setting everything up and right. making sure everything's running properly. So there's a lot of manpower behind the scenes that a lot of people don't realize. So for, you know, am I, do I understand it? Yeah. Am I saddened by it? Absolutely. But I honestly think that Kevin will probably do something, you know, whether it's like a regional run or something like that, I think Warp Tour is going to, you know, remain definitely a, a brand for sure. Sure. Whether it's just like, you know, a few dates here and there, or if it's going to be just like a West Coast thing, or, you know, that remains to be seen, but I don't think it's going to go away yeah. completely. It would be ridiculous to get rid of that brand. I mean, it oh. is a great brand. Of course. No doubt. I just that. don't it's a. I, I mean, it makes sense, and it, I totally understand him not being able to do it on a national level anymore. Yeah, it's just not feasible for him. I, and I, I get it. So now, as a label owner yourself, who has teams that put together tours all the time for all of your bands, is it kind of a level of excitement to be like there is now a vacuum that is being created by not having Warp Tour on this official level? When you get to 2019, are you looking forward to that? Are you a little worried about that? Well, for us, I mean, it's a tough thing with, you know, despite me knowing Kevin and everything like that, it, it's it, it's something where, you know, you kind of have to earn your spot on the tour. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we haven't had an opportunity to actually be able to have any of our bands on the tour, unfortunately, as of yet. Right. So, you know, they're still kind of in a growing developmental type of stage, you know, where they're not... Um, you know, unless you're on the road a good solid six months out of the year, you know, you kind of have to earn your right to, to be on that tour for sure. You know, it totally makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, for us, I definitely think that, you know, 2019 is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think people are going to need something to, to fill that void right. for sure. I, I don't necessarily know what it's going to be. I'm sure this is going to be an opportunity for other people to step up and try and do like one-offs in different markets right. and maybe do like regional stuff. So I think there's going to be definitely opportunity for other promoters or other entities to kind of try and fill that void. Right. Um, but you know, it's, we'll wait and see what happens, I guess. So, you know, no, very true. Yeah. I just wasn't sure if that was something that you wanted to jump into. If you are like, Oh, this actually gives us an opportunity because as you know, I mean, from playing warp tour and then from having bands that weren't necessarily on it recently, there's going to be, or there was when that tour is going on, basically nothing else that happens during the summer, at least in the scene, because so sure. many people want to go to Warp Tour. So with that sure. void there, is it now like open season, basically? Maybe so. I mean, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I hadn't really explored that kind of viewpoint, though. But no, that's it's actually interesting that you say that. So you would think. You would definitely think there's an opportunity now for you know some of these bands that haven't had any kind of exposure or hadn't had the opportunity to play that tour now might have an opportunity to develop. You know, if you put a, put them on the road for the summer, they might have a better chance because people are kind of looking for something new, looking for something to to latch on to. Right. Quite possibly, you know. For me, it's always been like good music is good music. 
True. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, I had an old producer tell me this many, many years ago, and it, it holds true in multi, multiple facets of the businesses. There's only so many ways you can polish a turd. <laughs> so you, the, the, the actuality is good music will rise to the top. Right. You know what I mean? So if the band is solid, whether Warped Tour is here or it's not, it's still going to be a good band and people are still going to check it out. Absolutely. You know what I mean? No, I completely agree with that. And I guess that actually leads into a little bit of your musical taste in general. Are you all over the place? I know, obviously, this is more of a, quote unquote, like I said, punk label. I don't want to just label it that because I don't want to limit it. Right. But yeah. it's what it's kind of put out there to be. So I'm assuming that's not the only style of music that you like. So, yeah, when did your background in music start? So I, I actually have an old school punk rock background. Like I used to love the Ramones, Sex Pistols, Clash, all that sort of stuff. Right. I kind of grew up on it. You know, uh, I love listening to it. Uh, that's where my my roots kind of lie. Nice. But, you know, I've kind of, you know, with being on Warp Tour and then getting into that whole pop punk scene, mm-hmm. you know, New Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey. Right, so right. I grew up in, you know, North Jersey pop punk scene. Sure. Uh, so... You know, that emo, screamo phase. For sure. Um, wait, wait, wait. That- it's not a phase for me. I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, but uh, yeah, I, honestly, like my tastes range. So like I can listen to everybody on the drive through roster. Oh, very nice. Know. Yeah, yeah. You remember drive through, oh, right? Of course. Yeah. Okay. I mean, look, I always remember for me, besides like Newfound Glory and stuff, I remember mm-hmm. Finch. What it is to yeah. burn drive through records. You don't get any yeah. better. Yeah. I'm with yeah. you. Or like Alistair. Oh, Those yeah. Those guys were awesome. So many you know, good Midtown. bands. Yeah, absolutely. So like uh, that's the type of uh, stuff that I've kind of adopted and kind of gotten into and still listen to. You know, I have a guilty pleasure for like all that pop punk, emo, screamo stuff. Sure. So that kind of, you know. If you want to get to me, that's what that's you can send. You know what I mean? Like, you send me a demo full of that. I'm like, right. all right, I'm going to push for that to get signed. Yeah. Hey, everyone listening, do you hear that? <laughs> Peter's sending, send that stuff to him. Because actually, does that excite you a little bit? Because there is a emo, screamo, you know, pop punk revival happening, for lack of a better word. Absolutely. That's kind of what we saw for the last year or so. Mm-hmm. And I saw the resurgence happening. Um, and that's kind of what we talk about uh, in our meetings too. And it's like, you know, this kind of right now is our time to to really push our artists because everything's coming back around. That 2007 to 2009, that whole sound is coming back around full circle. Right. Um, and I love it because, you know, something, that type of music to me is is kind of like my guilty pleasure. Sure. I, I love all that stuff. So, you know, I couldn't be here. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. Yeah, it's the same as... Uh... Even new metal is mm-hmm. back in a big way. It's that whole nostalgia factor of people yep. that were like, you know, 17, 18 when that music came out. Now they're making music and they're just sure. bringing it right back there. So, yes, yep. that totally makes sense. So, and it's cool. yeah, it works. I mean, everyone's got different tastes in music. I tend to stay in the rock and metal genres. So that, okay. you know, pop punk, screamo, emo, post-hardcore, metalcore, all that kind of stuff. I wish I could get into pop music and country like all that stuff i just i can't Uh, i can't i I can't i know the thing is you know with us it's just it's a totally different animal for me you Mm -hmm. know um the pop the edm stuff i know that's huge right now you know 
But for me, like what we do, and we joke about it, and some of the bands that we ever talk about as far as them being like, yeah, we don't really tour a lot. You know, if I'm ever scouting a band and they say that to me, I'm like, well, if you don't tour a lot, you're not a pop artist. How right. the hell are you going to, you know, nowadays, I know the internet's great, but it's not the end all be all. You still have to get out there. You still have to be on the road. Right. You, know, you can't, you know, you're not a pretty blonde, you know, <laughs> wearing something skimpy and, and being, uh, you know, peddling pop music. It's if very that true. were the case then you don't need to tour. Absolutely not. You can sell singles all day long. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, you know, in our particular genre, you absolutely have to be on the road and and hustling. Right. So is what it is. Yeah. When you're checking on a band to actually sign them for the label, do you check on that? Do you say, hey, we're probably going to need you to tour this much out of the year just so you're doing well and we're doing well as well? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, there's different... Every situation is different, sure. So, and every circumstance is going to be different. But at the end of the day, all the bands understand that they need to be on the road as much as they possibly can be. For them to be successful and for us to be successful, that just has to be. Right. When you're setting up a tour, actually, do you try and get bands together that are on the label? Or is it actually mutually beneficial to reach out to other labels to try and get groups of bands together when they go out? So right now, I mean, like I said, we're still growing sure. and, and everything. So we're coupling some of the bands together that we have on the roster. Mm-hmm. So they can, you know, some of these bands have been out on the road a couple of times, but not aggressively, or they've done like one week's runs here or there. But if they're going to be doing something long, I would rather partner them up with a band that's on the roster that's toured extensively. Uh, sure. Right. Um, you know, but I would love to partner up with other labels for sure. You know, that's my end goal to keep expanding and, and I would love to partner up with little indie labels and, and keep a, a DIY scene right. and, and start, you know, kind of, um, you know, there's an indie label that's out in California that I would absolutely love to partner up with. And they've been around forever. You probably know them. Asian Man Records. Oh, yeah. They've sure. been forever. Yeah. So like labels like that where, you know, the genres are relatively similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would totally do that because they're super DIY. I get what they're doing. I respect what they're doing. Um, you know. Uh, would I love to work with some of the bigger labels? Sure. I just don't think we're there yet. You gotcha. know what I mean? So, okay. Right. There's a certain tier structure, yeah. an unspoken <laughs> structure. You know what I mean? It is what it is. I get it. No, it's true. It is true. At least from what I've seen. I mean, look, there are labels that won't even, no matter who I have on the show, there are certain labels that will just not talk to me. Well, There's one label that will not answer anything that I ever wow. send out, even when I talk to their bands face-to-face. Wow. Yeah, it's okay. kind of strange because the roster of people, not to not to toot my own horn or anything, but there are a lot of big bands that have been on the show, and I'm yeah, constantly I, doing it. Absolutely. So it is always a little weird, but that's besides the point. Let me ask you this based on what you had just talked about with touring. When you put a tour together, when you see tours out there, do you personally prefer that bands tour within their own genre? Because that has been a trend for a while that, let's just say, for metalcore you'll have maybe right. four metalcore bands on uh, you know, on a show, and you'll go right. from there. I've seen a trend recently where I think you're getting a lot of mixing and matching of a lot sure. of different styles of band. Do you have a preference normally? So, yeah, you know what? Realistically, right now at this phase, I would love my bands to still keep to the genre that they are still, because they're, sure. they're still, you know, they're not at the point where they're a household name yet. So definitely want them to be known at least in their 
core primary market and primary genre. Right. And then down the line, yeah, as a secondary market, I would love for them to tour, you know, and open up the, um, you know, the genres up a bit. I mean, you know, one of the weirdest tours I'd ever seen, and it was, it was funny, um, was the Coheed and uh, Slipknot tour. You remember that one? I do remember that one. <laughs> uh, one of my good buddies, he he's in Coheed. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I had spoken to him, like, after that. I'm like, what the hell was that all about? Like, why the fuck are you on the road with, like, you know, uh, you know Slipknot? And then before that, I think they were touring with Clutch. I was like, wow. Really? Like, <laughs> I just didn't see it. But, like, I, I understand, like, the cross... The cross promotion, it makes sense. I get it, you know, and it, it worked out for them. Yep. It really did. So I thought it definitely made sense. But at the time, I'm like, I'm looking at the tour package. I'm like, all right, who the hell is smoking crack? Like, what the <laughs> hell is going on right now? Who put this tour package together? Right. You know what I mean? It didn't really make sense to me. But, you know, you kind of have that aha moment. You're like, oh, all right. Makes sense. Got it. Got it. Right. So. so you're saying the bands would probably have to be more of a household name in order to do more of that genre switch. Yeah, or further along, more established. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're still on their way up. So for us to make the most out of something like that, it would have to really be, they'd have to really have a nice foothold in their core market first before they can start branching out, you know? Makes sense. So. Yeah. And now I guess that also leads, wow, I have so many questions for you. So yeah, no worries. in 2017 and 2018, what does it mean to have a foothold now? Like, what are you actually, is it record sales now? Is it, you know, plays on Spotify, you know, sales on iTunes? What is what you're looking for? So it's a little bit of everything. So, you know, touring is still number one. Okay. So record sales, as far as touring is, is concerned, you know, from our web store, or their web store, that's really not going to make much of a difference you know record sales on the road are huge because there's that personal connection right. so it's not just about selling the record it's about you know you've already made that connection mm -hmm. hopefully so right. the band already you know made a fan and hopefully that person likes the record and passes it on and and you know burns it and, and sends it to 10 15 20 other people gotcha. you know what i mean right. at this point you know i want them to make sure that they're spreading that music as far as possible um, and really branding themselves because along with branding themselves, they're branding us right. and then vice versa. You know, we're helping them out too. So, you know, as a label grows, they grow. And then, you know, as they grow, we grow. Right. So, um, but then iTunes sales are huge too, the streams and Spotify. So there's a little bit of everything, mm -hmm. you know, for them to have a, a foothold or, you know, a, a good, you know, handle in their core genre. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, everyone still needs development for sure. sure. Um, you know, so it's definitely something, like I said, I would definitely look at, but, you know, not for the, in the near future okay. as far as having, you know, on the road for cross genres or anything like that. Right. You know, and I know you have links, your website's well laid out. So you have links on there for SoundCloud. So you can go yep. there and you can check out all new releases and everything. How do you feel about SoundCloud? Because I know they've had some problems recently with, you know, money and funding. I personally, I put my stuff on SoundCloud as well. You know, you pay that yearly fee and you can upload, you know, however much you want. I find it works relatively well, you know, as an outlet. How do you feel about it normally? I use it all the time. I think it's great. Um, it's the easiest way to share content. So, I mean, not just for new listeners or new people checking out music or anything like that. But on a business perspective, on a business sense, it's easier for us 
to use it as a reference point to send a link, a quick link to a direct song that we want someone to check out. Sure. You know, because I mean, we're still a small label. Right. You know, not we're not a household name by any stretch. Sure. sure. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, we're we're still trying to battle and and, and get known and get like and get heard. You know, just like a new band out there. Right. We're still like kid on the block we're still trying to you know get a foothold we're still trying to get the attention of people and all that so you know for us it's a lot easier you know to just send a couple of soundcloud links to some of the artists and right. be like hey listen this is what we're doing this is what we got to offer you know check this band out check that band out and you know that kind of deal so even from a in-house perspective soundcloud is great i, I use it all the time very nice so from you being in so many bands and having your background did you bring that knowledge into Manicat to make sure, like, are you using the same marketing techniques that you did for when you were in a band to now that you're in a label? Yes and no, because things have changed. Sure, sure. <laughs> you, know I mean? um, um, you know, when I was back in the ba uh, my band, my old band, it was, you know, MySpace was still king. So, ah, sure. you know, so you can't exactly use the same techniques necessarily, but, you know, I definitely... As far as the background has, hasn't changed. So okay. when I go into talking to a band or scouting a band or even talking to the bands that are on our roster, mm -hmm. I already have the mindset of being in a band or I understand like where they're coming from when they're asking questions or I have concerns or, you know, or, or anything like I can pretty much relate to it because I've been there, done that, right. you know, so I kind of like already anticipating what they're going to ask. You know, nothing really catches me by surprise, you know, because it's like these are questions that I would ask if I was on the other way around. Right. So I can definitely empathize if they have questions or concerns or anything like that. So I get it. It's not just, you know, something that I've never done before or, you know, I'm some kind of corporate suit that I like, hey, you know what? I feel like trying a record label. I have the money to burn. Why the hell not? You know? So, you know, I have the background where I understand where they're coming from. Exactly. Right. Do you ever do like a seminar at all on past things that you've learned from, from your time that you can help out with the bands that are on your label? Not necessarily seminar, but I do find myself preaching. So I try not to like <laughs> stand on my soapbox too much. Sure. You know, I can pass along as much insight as I have. You know, I, you know, if I've gotten burned, I want to make sure they don't make the same mistakes I do, you, right. know, you know, so I try and pass along as much as I can to them. Right. So, you know, other than that, there's not really much like more I can do, you know? Sure. So. so I'm guessing since you have a passion for music, obviously, and even though the label, you know, even with your team, I'm sure it takes up most of your time. Do you also still play music in a band as well? I do. Oh, very do. nice. Okay. I have a band. Yeah. What type of music? Is it the same style that you used to play? Uh, no, it's a little bit more. Um, I, I guess it's like, Oh God, I don't even know what I would call it. It's like rock. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. It's like rock alternative. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, with a little bit of punk mixed in, mm -hmm. you know, like definitely got that because, you know, I love Goldfinger. I love, you know, Strung Out and all sure. that. So there's definitely influences from there. My guitar player loves them too. So, you know, you'll definitely hear stuff like that. And, you know, there's definitely like that straight ahead rock alternative sound mm -hmm. to it. So it's a little bit of a mixture of everything, you know. Is this something that you're going to bring to the label or is this something for fun? Uh, that will remain to be seen. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, when do you determine that that would be something that you want to do? Like, when do you hit that spot that you're like, this is something we want to do? It may or may not have already happened. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? 
answer. We'll keep that I'll, one secret for 2018. Do you like that as a Trump answer? <laughs> <laughs> that may or may not have happened. I like that. I like that. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I wish your viewers could see. I'll tip my hat. Thank you. <laughs> and that is a nice hat as well. I like the manic hat hat. That's nice. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> you know, you. I do have to compliment you on that as well. My co-host, who's on the weekly music show, he's an mm -hmm. artist as well. That is a very standout, recognizable label that you've got, like the actual image itself. Gotcha. Thank you. Appreciate it. So how did you decide to go in that direction? <laughs> if I can be blunt and honest, it really wasn't me. Uh, I was, it, was, it was back in 2009. I had paid a college kid 50 bucks. Yeah. And that's what he came up with. It works. It so, works. that's it. Did you give him the name and just say, hey, this is kind of no. what I'm thinking of? Okay. I, no, I didn't even say that. I'm like, come up with some ideas. Nice. This is the name. Come up with some ideas. And, you know, one <laughs> of the sketches he came out with was this. And I'm like, that's it. You know? Yeah. Very yeah. nice. Going back a second to talking about what style of music your band plays. We had this discussion on the show as well before. How do you feel about subgenres of, you know, you've got rock, you've got metal, you've got pop country, but then you've got subgenres and these really, really technical ones and they go crazy. I normally like to use them because I think there is a difference between metal and post hardcore. And I think sure. if I told someone, like, hey, I'm going to a metal show, they might think something completely different than what sure. I'm normally going to. But I know a lot yeah. of people get very, they get kind of annoyed because they don't want to be put into like a, a little, like, oh, this is your genre. How right. do you feel as, you know, not only a band member, a person who's been in bands, but also a label owner? So I, I think it's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like as far as a label is concerned, I, I kind of like it. You know, yeah, we're an overall punk label. Right. But there's so many subgenres of punk. And like even like subcategories, like you said, like there's post hardcore, there's you know pop punk, there's emo, there's screamo, there's you know for me that makes sense. Right. You know I actually like that because you can have it housed on this one big umbrella, but then you have all these little mini subgenres. It gives us opportunity to diversify. Right. So for us, it still falls under that category that you know we all know how to market. And how to promote properly and be able to help the bands properly. But in the same token, to me, it gives diversity to people that are just checking out the label for the first time. So, right. you know, you might not like pop punk. So you might not go in a particular direction. You might like a little bit more hardcore or, or post hardcore. You might pick another band that's on our, on our roster, right. but that fits that genre, but it's under that overall umbrella of punk. Right. So, you know, I can see how the bands kind of hate it because they're just like, yeah, you know, it's super niche oriented. And, you know, why label us? We're, 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 you know, our own separate thing. You know, artists are artists. I get it. At the end of the day, like, you know, I am one. So, yeah. you know, to label, to put them under any kind of label is not going to be beneficial for them. Mm -hmm. But from a business perspective, for me, it, it's just, it, it helps quite a bit. That makes that total makes sense. sense. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that's where I was going with it because that, does absolutely make sense there. Very nice. Okay. I also wanted to ask you about, and now I'm blanking a little bit because I have so many, so much information and questions that are going through my head. So 
you're listening to music all the time for the label itself. But do you get burnt out on that just because you have to do that so much? It's almost like for me, just to skew it a little bit, I don't listen to any other podcast basically because I'm always making podcasts. So I kind of burn out on it. I'm like, okay, I'm talking. I have to listen to myself talk when I do editing. I don't really need to hear anyone else talk. So when you're looking for a band to join your label, if you listen to, let's say, 15 bands in a day, maybe you're just going through demos or whatnot. When you go home, when you're out, you're playing your own music. Is there anything else you also want to listen to? Or you're like, I'm done. So, you know, I tend to actually gravitate after after kind of tune out. I, I tend to gravitate to the bands that are on our roster. OK. You know, you know, so because it all comes down to the bands. Like, the reason why we sign them is because we love them. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I find myself like I'll be in the car and like right now, for example, like I've kind of go through my phases. So like I'll listen to Rival Town or I'll listen to Small Pond. Right now, what's been burning on repeat right. over and over again, and my wife will attest to it, is the hard to hit record. You know, Very that's nice. been going, you know, playing consistently. So, you know, for me, that's just something that I enjoy and I like and, you know, I can get into. It's not work for me, you know, right. at that point. Okay. So. That's good to hear then. That's something that I can just enjoy as a as a, a lover of music, right. as opposed to being like, okay, you know, I have to listen to this or something like that. So, no, that works, and especially because you get to listen to the stuff that is out now, but then also what's upcoming for 2018 as well. I would assume, yeah, very yeah, nice. Absolutely. Okay, oh, that's great. Well, I think, I mean, I got a ton of music questions out there, and I think I got a couple more that I'll save okay. till the end. But okay. just to know you a little bit more as well. Uh, I do a show that's called Ian Hates Movies. Is there okay. anything that you also enjoy besides music and playing in bands and everything? Do you like books? Are you a TV person? Are you a movie guy? Is there anything you like to do on that spare time? I'm a movie guy. Movie 100%. Guy. Totally. What do you totally. got coming up? Are you a Star Wars guy? What's coming totally. up that you're really interested in? Totally. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, we have our label showcase, like I told you, label showcase and our, our holiday party this upcoming weekend. Right. Unfortunately... I blanked out and I booked it on the premiere night of Star Wars. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so it was one of those things that I'm just like, all right, this is going to suck. I'm going to have to go and stay off of Facebook for like three days right. and go see it on Sunday. Ah, uh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> those kind of people. So, yeah, I'm a huge movie buff. Um, my wife will tell you, I will spit out random movie quotes. And a drop of a hat, if it fits the situation, sure. they'll just come out of nowhere. Nice. So, you know. <laughs> well, what would you say, and this is always a tough question for people sometimes, but do you have a favorite movie? Do you have a favorite genre of movie? I don't. I kind of am all over the place. Uh, I, I like comedies, but I love Star Wars. Right. Uh, you know, um, I'm kind of all over the road. You know? Gotcha. I'm not really a guy. That's about it. I just don't do horror. Sorry, you kind of cut out. No, it's okay. I just don't do horror. I'm not really oh. a horror guy. Okay. But other than that, you know, pretty much everything's fair game for the most part. Being a Jersey guy and everything, do you enjoy Goodfellas? Do you enjoy Casino? Like all that kind of stuff? Not, not so much that. I'm more of a Kevin Smith fan. Ah. Yeah. So. My grandma used to live right outside of Red Bank. Yeah. Okay. So I went down there probably like I want to say summertime, somewhere around there. And got to go to Jay and Silent Bob's comic book stash, which nice. I always enjoyed. So, no, yeah, I totally that, get that. 
Well, my past life, I used to do advertising and marketing for a um, small New Jersey publication. They were entertainment music based. Mm -hmm. So one of my clients was Jay and Silent Bob. So, you know, Ming from the uh, comic book men. Yeah, yeah. He's my clients. I used to talk to him and hang out and like, you know, interact with him. So that was pretty cool. And then all of a sudden I see him on TV. I'm like, what the hell? Right. <laughs> so it was really weird. <laughs> I walked in there one time and they were just doing the podcast. Oh, awesome. Yeah, very I cool. didn't realize it was just right there in the middle of the story. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> very strange. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. <laughs> Do you have a favorite of the Kevin Smith movies? Um, well, I love classic clerks, sure. obviously. Um Mall Rats, Chasing Amy, like all those are great, right. you know. Um, you know, so those kind of like the staples. Are you um, looking forward to Clerks Three? I don't know. That could <laughs> Clerks was good. Right. I don't right. know what Clerks 3 – it's either going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be really good or it's going to die bomb pitifully. Right. I, I don't think there's going to be a shade of gray on that. I can so, see that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, huge Batman fan too. Okay. I, I don't think I said but yeah, I'm huge into you know the, the DC world and all oh. that. And yeah. That is where so. we differ. That's oh, you're a Marvel guy? I, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. No, no. Uh, I, if DC made a good movie, I would like DC. But you got to tell me, what's a good DC movie that's been out in the last 10 years? Okay. I mean, that's where we definitely differ. Because, okay. like, you know, uh, it depends on your stance, mm -hmm. you know. And I understand, like, if you're a hardcore DC guy, like, you know, into the comics, super focused on the storyline, super focused on everything being regimented properly, then, yes, you're absolutely going to hate these movies because they don't do the comics justice whatsoever. Right. But from an overall like standpoint of like my wife, for example, you know, she doesn't follow the comics. Neither do I really like I mean, I love Batman and everything, but I'm not huge into the comics and all that. So, you know, for us, you know, overall appeal it, there, for the general population, it's not bad. OK, but right. you're really honed in on it then yeah, you're going to hate it. I get it. I, I can see both <laughs> sides of the point on that. Right. So, but for me, you know, I enjoy it because I'm not like that entrenched in that world to be like, all right, they're not sticking to this storyline. This is all screwed up. That's all screwed up. Sure. For me, it's like, all right, I know the basic overall gist of everything. So for me, I enjoy it. You know what I mean? Right. So Now, did you go see Justice League? I did. It wasn't bad. I didn't think it was terrible. All right, you gotta tell not. me. Yeah, we had already made a rule: no more DC movies on the show. <laughs> so okay, I did not see Justice League. I probably will, but okay. So you say it's it's okay, better than Superman v Batman, Batman v Superman. Yeah, I think so because you're introducing all these different characters. There's so much going on, right. and again, you know, it it doesn't compare to like the Avengers movies. Definitely not because I've seen the Avengers movies, right. and they're actually really good. I I'll give credit where credit's due. Sure. You know, I'll watch them. They're they're really good. Um, but you know, the plot is actually okay. Um, I know the there's a lot that was cut out, so I'm actually looking forward to the director's cut. Oh, so sure. we'll see what that like. Right. Um, could have been a little bit more developed. Yeah, I think so. Okay. But overall, it wasn't terrible. It's not like I'm not, I wouldn't leave the theater and be like, "Well, that was a waste of two hours of my ah, life. You okay." Know? All right. So I like I didn't think it was horrible. Um, you know, Wonder Woman was awesome. Okay. I, I thought that was phenomenal. That movie was great. Um, you know, that I'll definitely give huge credit. That was by far the best DC uh, movie that was been, that's been put out. I can see by that far. for sure. Yeah, I saw yeah. three fourths of that on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> 
And those three fourths were okay or not so okay. Or... It was better. <laughs> okay. My my whole thing about DC is not the characters as much. It's more that their films, because I'm actually comic book wise, the only DC like characters I follow are Suicide Squad. So I was okay. very much looking forward to the movie and not to follow the, you know, not like exactly what you were saying of following the timeline and the stories, right. but just the characters in general. And right. the problem that I think DC has movie wise is 90% of their movies are slow motion. Yeah. That's that's a tough one. The CGI is like from back in the 90s. That doesn't make any sense. Like, I guess the way I look at it is like you mentioned with the Avengers. When you look at all the Avengers assembled in the world that Marvel has created, you don't look at them and go, wait, that's weird. There's a bunch of people dressed in superhero costumes in this world. That doesn't make sense. Right. Like when I looked at the trailer for Justice League and I saw all of them standing together, I was like, why are those weirdos dressed up in costume in this world? Like it doesn't it doesn't Does it register, make- you know? Okay. okay. That's kind of the way. I can see that. Yeah. That's kind of the way I look at it. I can see that. And, but again, like, I guess I look at it from a different perspective. Right. I just kind of go very, very broad into it. Sure. And if you do that, you know, for, for me, it, it was, wasn't, it was, it was good. Right. It, it was definitely good. Yeah. I would watch it again. But for me, you know, like I said, I'm a Batman fan. Right. You know, so I'll, I'll stick by it. Do you have anyone that you're looking for? Like, did you like the news that, uh, ben Affleck might be leaving, so they might be bringing Jake Gyllenhaal. Do you have a favorite Batman that you're like? I do. Okay, who is? By far, Michael Keaton. Very by, nice. Okay. By far. So there was now. I don't know if you've heard, and again, this might just be internet gossip that I've heard. Sure. So to your point, where you're, they said that uh, Affleck might be leaving, Gyllenhaal isn't one of the options. But I heard they are talking to Michael Keaton for potential Batman because. Oh. He would be much older. Yeah. In that role, you know, he'd be much, much later in life, an older Batman. So, again, I just heard that on the internet. Obviously, whatever we read on the internet is definitely not always <laughs> true. true. So, who knows if that's even accurate, but that would be pretty amazing if that were to be the case. And I agree. So. And the reason why I think you might be correct on that is because think about what Marvel did with Logan. Right. Because that yeah. worked perfectly. Sure. So if they want to do a really, really dark Batman for the reason that he's much older and past his prime or, you know, just been jaded mm-hmm. by life, that might sure. actually work really well. Oh, absolutely. I think so. And I think that would gain so much more momentum. That would bring all the people back from when I was little you right. know, that saw first, you know, Burton, Tim Burton um, Batman movie, right. you know, I'll bring everybody in like, oh, my God. Yeah. So. I think that would be huge for DC, you know, if they were able to bring Keaton back. And I so. think, I mean, unless he signed an exclusive deal now with Marvel, which is possible because he was just in Spider-Man, he right. actually did a great job in Spider-Man. Sure. Saw that. It was a little weird, though, seeing him as the as the villain. That I'm is kind of like, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it just, it's wrong on yeah. so many levels. Like a culture shock. <laughs> It was. Yes. I was like, wait a second. He's not supposed to be evil. It's just, it's not right. Very true. Very true. <laughs> well, Peter, I looked at the time, so I don't want to hold you back too much. But what I did want to ask before we leave is I know you won't be able to give away too much about 2018, but I'm sure you've got your plans ready. Is there yep. anything that we can expect in general 
from Manicat in 2018? Well, it's already been announced, so it's not something that's not uh, already on the internet and everything. But uh, February 23rd, the anchor is going to be dropping their debut EP with yep. us. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited for that. Uh, there's a lot of big things planned for all the bands, but also for the anchor as well uh, for 2018. So nice. definitely be looking out for that. So it's going to be a good year for us. I'm excited. Absolutely. All right. So we'll end with this before we go into some plug section here. So as a band, if I was in a band, which I wish I was, if I was in a band and I wanted to get my music to you, do you actually accept it? Is there a way to do it? How do bands get music to you? So ours is actually very very easy. It's right off our website. So you go to like our contact section and there's an interactive form that you just fill up. You put your SoundCloud link, you put your your Twitter, your all your social media links. Send me a quick note. It goes right to our A&R department and we'll review it. We review every demo that comes in. So, you know, definitely excited. We love getting demos. I mean, Rival Town was signed off of that exact same. They submitted a demo to us and, you know, we signed them and that was it. Very nice. You know, we definitely, bands do get signed from demos. Believe me, it happens. (laughs) That's good to hear. All right. So everything can be found in the website and that's actually a very good way to segment into that. I will have links in the description of the episode for all that. So not only will you be able to get links to where the bands are, where to get merch, where to get all that stuff, the official website, you'll also have a link there to be able to submit your music as well. So that works perfectly. But besides that, how else can we promote the label? How else can we support you? Go like us on Facebook. Go go follow all our socials, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, we try and be as diverse as possible. So if you're following all three platforms, you're going to get something new out of each one. Great. So we try and kind of change it up. Um, go follow our Snapchat. You know, our bands take them over all the time. You know, just yesterday when Thieves Are About took it over, yep. there was a lot of dick and fart jokes the entire <laughs> It was quite interesting. Yes. <laughs> uh, Rival Town took it over about a couple of months back. Right. Half of them were naked. So, you know, it is what it is. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> I still love the story that they told on my show when we oh. did Ian Hates Conversations and they heard the review for the album for Make It Work when they sent it. And one of the guys pulled out their nuts while their mom was It was one of the best promos for the show I've ever heard. Oh, my God. Of course, they would say that. Yeah, that's about right. Great, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows how much I love Rival Town. They're going to be on the best of 2017 list that we do on the show. So, absolutely. Well, Peter, I can't thank you enough for talking to me about all this stuff because I love hearing about all the the behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm a big fan of Manic Cat Records. So thank Thank you so much for being on the show, man. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely.
and I am back. That last track you heard was Small Pond, Big Fish. The track was Parallels off their new EP, Wicked Young, Wicked Old. I really see big things happening for Manicat Records in 2018. On that note, make sure you check out the links in the description of the episode to check out everything Manicat has to offer. And remember, if you're a band with a demo, the link is also there for you to submit that as well. A big thank you again to Peter for coming on the show. And another big thank you goes to Amanda on the great Manicat team for setting all of this up. Lastly, if you like what you heard, follow the other links in the description of the episode to support Ian Hates. There's Ian Hates Conversations, music, and even movies too. Tonight, we'll end with one more band off Manicat's roster. This is The Anchor, and their new EP, Make It Last, is coming out February 23rd. So make sure you pre-order that now. This is the title track off that EP. And I will leave you, the way I always do, long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.